0: Hey guys, I'm Valerie. And I'm Jasmine, and this is Crafts, Drafts, and Welcome
1: to our second to last, kind of second to last episode of season four. We actually have a two-parter coming for you after this, but we're not going to tell you what it is, because we want it to be a surprise.
0: Yeah, that one is a doozy for sure.
1: Yes. And so is this one, because they all are. Um, We have no business to take care of, so I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, Sources for today. The first main one that I loved that was great was from St. Louis Magazine. Um, It's an article called A Family Erased, The Chris Coleman Story, and it's by Jeanette Cooperman. It was great. Um, very informational, I also looked at the case law, I looked at the entire, um, like all of the different testimonies and stuff I got for this case. Um, legacy obituaries, DailyMail.co.uk, BND News, CBS News, Fox 2 Now News. So we are going to be talking about the Coleman family, and this takes place in Columbia, Illinois, which is like kind of um, really close to St. Louis, Missouri. It's like right on the border, but it's technically Illinois. Okay. Yeah, I do a lot in Illinois, I realize that. Um, It's not, it's probably just because I've heard of all these cases because I lived there. But this one's in a different region, at least, so you're welcome.
0: <laughs> Thanks, we appreciate that.
1: <laughs> so Chris Coleman was born to Ron and Connie Coleman, and he was one of three boys. Ron was a preacher, and the boys grew up spending a decent amount of time in the church. So Chris was a really well-behaved boy. He was quiet, calm, and even-tempered. He played baseball, basketball, and ran track. In high school, a Marine recruiter came to the school and gave a speech, and Chris began to aspire to join the Marine Corps. So he did, he joined immediately out of high school, and he was incredibly successful there. Now, Sherry Weiss was born to Donald and Angela and had one brother, Mario. She played softball in school, and she joined the Air Force after graduation. She was a really affectionate and giving person. Um, She's the kind of person who was always helping out at the church, at the kids' school and donating blankets to the homeless, like things like this. So Sherry was 21, a year younger than Chris, when the two of them met at a canine training center in Texas, because, again, she was in the Air Force, he was in the Marine Corps, and they had a lot of different military personnel there. So he introduced her to his parents, and then they married the next day without his family there, which they did not approve of. And they had only known each other for three months at this point.
0: Damn, that's it? I feel like that's
1: true for all of these cases. And I'm not saying if you get married after three months that your spouse is going to kill you. But I'm
0: saying it
1: don't look good. <laughs> I
0: gotta say, I feel attacked. Oh, you know, seven years and <laughs> still no wedding.
1: I well, know. <laughs> but hey, at least you also haven't been murdered.
0: That's true. so true. It's true.
1: So, um, and okay. I'm I'm just kidding, that's totally that's not what that means at all. It's just crazy how many times we've seen that people get married just so quickly. So it kind of made a little bit of sense when they discovered that Sherry was pregnant. But um, having, you know, grown up in the church and Ron being a preacher, they were pretty, you know, shocked that they got married just like at a courthouse without having an actual wedding. So Yeah, it was super random. It was. So in the course of their about 10-year marriage, they had two boys, Garrett and Gavin. The boys were very playful, and they had many friends in the neighborhood, which included the Regarickses, who lived in the same cul-de-sac as them. Vanessa Regarickse and her fiancé, Chris, and I'm not going to refer to him as Chris throughout this thing because I don't want anybody to get confused, but they had a son, Brandon, who was Gavin's age. So Chris traveled a lot for work, and he worked long hours, and he made six figures doing it. So Sherry worked because even though Chris made plenty of money, I quote, she liked to work, so I let her.
0: Um, so you let her? He let her. The way that sounds it's a like little so controlling, controlling sounding. Exactly.
1: So Chris was a bodyguard for Joyce Myers, which do you know who Joyce Myers is? She an author? Um, I mean, technically, yes. She's a tele, uh, televangelist.
0: Uh, uh, Sorry, Antoine said she's a preacher.
1: She is. That's correct. So she's internationally known. She goes, I think it's over like 30 countries that she's known in. And um, Chris was required to travel with her as her bodyguard. And he admired Joyce, but a lot of people didn't. Um, There are, like, actually a ton of websites. I tried looking at some of them um, to why Joyce is awful and that she preaches, like, fake news. And I'm not here to debate religion, so I'm going to let you do that for yourself. But a lot of people think that she's bogus.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of her before, but I'm definitely going to look her up after this for sure.
1: Yeah, she goes and she, you know, preaches whatever her ideas are, and people donate money to her, and she makes a lot of money. And, like, I can see why people don't like things like that. Not anything against her beliefs personally, but, you know, just like in general, I can see why people are off-put by that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So on November 14th of 2008, an email came into Chris's personal account from an email address called destroychris at gmail.com. And this email read, and I quote, I'm sure this will make it to someone in the company. If you jackasses are like any other company, this will be someone's account. Pass this on to Chris. Tell Joyce to stop preaching the bullshit or Chris's family will die. If I can't get to Joyce, then I will get to somebody close to her. And if I can't get to him, then I will kill his wife and kids. I know Joyce's schedule, so I know Chris's schedule. If Joyce doesn't quit preaching the bullshit, then they will die. During the Houston conference, I will kill them as they sleep. If I don't hit there, then I will kill them during the book tour or the trip to India. I know where he lives and I know they're alone. Fuck them all, and they will die soon. Tell that motherfucker next time, let me talk to Joyce. She needs to hear what I have to say, and now she will.
0: Okay, so first, I didn't recognize this case by his name, but I know I know this case because Dr. Phil, I told you that I love Dr. Phil, he did um, a series on his podcast about this case. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yes, he did, I forgot what he called it though, but yes, he did. Um, And when I heard it then and when I, I hear it now, the first thing that pops up into my head is, how are you so special? Why is he so special to be getting Hate mail or, you know, an uh, email specifically to himself. Like, right, like, who the I fuck it, are you? Right, I get it. You're her bodyguard, but at the same time, like, how many times have you heard of these bodyguards for celebrities, like, you know, people known internationally, like, bigger than her, let's just say, like, rock stars and shit like that? Like, how many times have you heard of their bodyguards getting death threats? Like, I feel like that's something that would be more commonly known, if that was, a, I don't know, I just I just don't want to sound stupid, but you're not important, like right. enough to send hate mail to, like I'll, if anything, I would be surprised that like, that she didn't get it directly, or she probably she did from millions and millions of people probably, but still, like what would be one more thing, one more email to right? Her to her bodyguard? It just doesn't make any sense.
1: No, I agree. I feel like if I was, I mean, you know, without giving too much of the case away in case anybody isn't interpreting anything already, but it's like, why would you not send an email directly to Joyce and be like, well, fuck you. If I can't get to you, I'll get to your bodyguard and then I can get to You're you. Right. You know what I You're mean? Right. Like, make it make sense. I don't know. So the next email that he got said, quote, I know you all got my fucking email. You think I'm full of shit. Just wait. I will shoot their asses with my 40. Kill them all. I'm so sick of bitches like her taking everybody's cash, 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 cash. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So she can fly her jet and pamper her white ass. Fuck you all. Tell Chris I will kill them. He has no idea when, but it will happen.
0: I just, yeah, no, Mm-mm. right. I just can't
1: for that. So five additional emails were also sent with similar messages. I'm not going to read them all, um, but those are the first two. And then on January 2nd of 2009, remember this started in November. The Colemans received a letter that read, "Quote: Fuck you, deny your God publicly, or else. No more opportunities." And opportunities is actually spelled incorrectly. It's O P P U R. T-U-N-I-T-I-E-S. opportunities spelled correctly is O-P-P-O. So just, you know, there's a serious typo in there. And it says time is running out for you and your family. Have a good time in India, motherfucker.
0: I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I don't want to give too much of it away. But still, it's like. It's just so unrealistic. God damn. I just can't. Like, that just keeps hitting me. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Okay.
1: Okay. I agree. (laughs) So Kathy LaPlante, which is one of Sherry's best friends, urged the Coleman's to get a security system. Joyce even offered to pay for it for them, but Chris refused. He's like, no, we have guns. It's all security we need. And Sherry assured Kathy and Vanessa that she actually slept with a gun on top of her nightstand. She's like, I'm totally fine. Everything's fine. So, Vanessa and her fiancé were over at the Coleman house, and she noted that Sherry and Chris were both drinking more than usual. She said, like, normally they'll each have, like, two beers or whatever, and then they're done for the night. But they were drinking hard liquor. And, um, or, well, Chris was drinking hard liquor, and Sherry was drinking a lot more beer, excuse me. And Sherry asked Chris to go get her another beer, and he told her, quote, Get up off your ass and get it yourself, you lazy bitch. Oh. And Vanessa was like, that's exactly what Vanessa was like. She was like, okay. Like, I've never heard that happen before. And so she was like, I've never even heard them argue. And, like, for Chris to be that rude and disrespectful, like, she was super uncomfortable. So her and her fiancé, like, kind of awkwardly left. So, (laughs) go ahead.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say, like, that, that must have been awkward as hell. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? Okay, go. (laughs)
1: Yep. So at this point in time, in case it's not evident, like they're having some marital issues. Um, Vanessa is privy to this, but she just wasn't expecting him to act like that in front of her. So on April 27th, 2009, a letter came to the Coleman's mailbox and it read, quote, Fuck you. I am giving you the last warning. You have not listened to me and you have not changed your ways. I have warned you to stop traveling and to stop carrying on with this fake religious life of stealing people's money. You think you are so special to do what you do protecting or think you are protecting her. She is a bitch and not worth you doing it. Stop today or else. I know your schedule. You can't hide from me ever. I'm always watching. I know when you leave in the morning and I know when you are home. I saw you leave this morning. I will be watching. You better stop traveling and doing what you were doing. This is my last warning. Your worst nightmare is about to happen. Nah,
0: but I definitely would have taken a choice up on that security system.
1: Well, so there is actually a detective sergeant who lives across the street. His name's Justin Barlow. He's not like actually friends with the Coleman's, but Mm -hmm. um, Chris had reported one of the emails prior to this, and then he reported this letter to the police. And um, because Justin lives across the street, he installed a camera that they're aware of. Facing mm-hmm. the Coleman's mailbox in the front window, which is actually one of the sun's windows. And Sherry also decided to hang up heavy drapes on, like, the front windows okay. to prevent people from seeing into the house.
0: Okay, okay. But that's so, not I mean,
1: a security guess, system.
0: Yeah, I guess just like a minute version of security, but at least, yeah.
1: Right. And Sherry didn't share their troubles with everyone. So remember, they're having some marital issues, and obviously these threats are coming in. And she was the kind of person who confided in several people, but she told each of them only a piece of the story. So not any one person knew all of what was going on. So she told Jessica, who's an assistant youth pastor, about her husband's affair. She even showed Jessica the girl's Facebook profile because she knew who it was because it was a friend of hers from high school. Fuck you. Yep. The girl's name was Tara Lintz. And Chris had met Tara through Sherry. And the two had met up when he was in her town in Florida. Sherry suggested that Tara attend the Joyce Myers conference. And shortly after, he was buying her plane tickets to meet him wherever his business trips were taking him.
0: No, you see, that's, that's a, another issue I have. Like, we got having an affair, having an affair. But those will start spending money shit because that's you get <laughs> real expensive that's your saying. limit <laughs> don't spend anything more than like five dollars on something no i'm just
1: kidding oh my gosh <laughs> well she was going everywhere with him
0: <laughs> yeah no fuck you and then like you're in, like in the public eye like you supposed you have this Person watching you, and you're gonna sit there and flaunt your mistress? Nah.
1: It's actually funny that you say that too, because Joyce Myers actually has a policy that like you cannot have an affair, like you can't commit adultery, and you can't be divorced, and all these different stipulations to be an employee of
0: hers. Like you, and you would think like it like that, that doesn't sound crazy to me, just because you know what she does basically or what she represents like you can't have somebody who's doing all of these things these quote unquote sins and then expect people to respect you so like i I get that
1: right no it makes sense but you know and at this point in time that's why you know chris like chris and sherry had talked briefly about divorce i was gonna bring this up later but i guess now is perfectly fine time um but chris is like i can't divorce you it's gonna fuck up my career and he was making six figures working for Joyce Myers, and he admired her. Like he wasn't interested in switching jobs.
0: Oh, would have fucked him over and be like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I called a lawyer, be like, nah, I'll serve him his papers now. Why is right? that work?
1: So another friend of Sherry's also knew that the two of them were not sexually intimate. Um, Chris was never affectionate towards Sherry or towards the boys, and if they had sex, it was quick and for Chris's pleasure and not actual intimacy between the two. I actually had read something in one of the articles that um, was pretty bothersome, um, that he basically told her to, like, bend over and shut up. What the fuck? Yep. So Chris wanted to divorce. This is where I was going to kind of go into that. But, you know, it's going to cost him his job, so he's not going to do that. But, you know, Sherry was telling her friends Like, you know, Chris wants to divorce and like things aren't working. Um, Joyce actually paid for them to go to counseling so that they could try to see if that would help because he like told her, you know, we've been, you know, talking about divorce. Obviously, I don't want to. Yada, yada. So on Saturday, May 2nd, 2009, the couple were actually just excited to have a date night together. They attended church in the morning and got a blessing for their marriage. And then Sherry had gotten her new passport picture because she actually went on a lot of mission trips and she was going to be going out of the country soon. And Chris just got a fresh haircut. So the boys are going to be away for the night on a camping trip with friends. So they have the night to themselves. Two days later, on Monday, May 4th, Garrett, who's 11, by the way, and Gavin is nine, are over at the Regarix's house. So Vanessa's son, Brandon, turned nine the next morning. And every year the boys had a sleepover to celebrate because Garrett's birthday is just five days earlier. So they always on the night going into Brandon's birthday have a sleepover and just, you know, have a good time and stay up late. So Vanessa tells the boys to run home because they only live four doors down and get their school bags in the morning and get their pajamas. But the boys come back with disappointing news. Dad said no. And Vanessa's surprised because they never say no. Like, you know, they're friends with the family. Like, it's not a big deal. But she didn't want to add to the frustration. So she's like, okay, that's fine. We'll make up for it next week. So on Tuesday, May 5th at six fifty forty-two a.m., Chris calls Justin, which remembers the detective across the street with the camera. And he told Justin, quote, my wife isn't answering the phone. I need you to check on her and the kids. I'll be there in like five minutes. So... Before before I get into this, I just wanna say like if you're worried about something and you're five minutes away, why the fuck are you calling somebody? Like I just think that that's kind of weird. Like I need you to check right. on them. I'll be there in five minutes. Like why check on them then? All
0: right. Like if it if you weren't ahead. gonna be there
1: for an hour. Right. If you weren't gonna be there for an hour, like <laughs> totally. But five minutes.
0: Exactly. No, he's he's not very really bright.
1: Right. And I want to also just remind you before I tell you what's going to happen. Um, I had brought this up, I think, in our last case that I like that they like if somebody does something, they don't want to be the ones to find the body.
0: Yeah, like they're babies about it. Like you can sit there and do shit, but you can't stand to like, be there to witness when people live. I don't know.
1: It's just (laughs) bullshit. Well, and additionally, they want like to like seem like they're surprised by it, so they can't be the one to find it, because then there's a lot more questions. Like that's what Drew Peterson did. So Justin immediately calls dispatch, and he gets dressed and he runs across the street. Moments later, Officer Jason Donjon joins him on the front porch of the Coleman house. So nobody answers the door. And Jason goes around back to check it out, and he notices that, it, um, like, the basement window is open and the screen is removed. So Jason calls for backup, and the two of them go in, and they're immediately hit with the smell of fresh paint. And they also note that there's no broken glass or any debris by the window, like, no signs of forced entry. So they cover the basement, and they discover nobody's down there. They enter the first floor where they see spray painted in red on the wall next to the kitchen, punished. They also see, I am always watching, you have paid, and the message is, I'll, I'll post a couple pictures on the Instagram. It's red spray paint, and it's like on the walls going like from the kitchen where they come up from the basement, like around toward the stairs.
0: Yeah, they're kind of eerie looking.
1: Oh, it's, like- it's awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they look terrible.
1: It also says like, fuck and bitch and like just a bunch of cuss words. And um, so they're all going towards the stairs, right? So at 6.56, which is 13 minutes later, Chris pulls up to the house.
0: But I thought he was five minutes away.
1: And actually they test it later and it should have only taken seven minutes from where his phone pinged, but it took him 13. Fine, whatever. Um, the officer that was called for backup also arrives at this time. And he tells Chris to wait outside. So at the top of the stairs, Justin and Jason go in opposite direction. Justin goes towards the kids room and Jason goes towards the master bedroom. Justin comes across Garrett, who's laying in his bed covered in his blanket like he's asleep. But his skin is pale and his limbs are stiff. The skin around his eyes and mouth is purple and there's spray paint on his arm and on his wall. And the pattern on his wall is like kind of a circle. And then Jason in the other direction finds Sherry who's naked and face down. I do wanna say that Sherry does sleep naked. So it's like she was woken out of her sleep. Um, He tried to turn her over so she would be face up, but her body was locking up because rigor mortis was already setting in. She was stiff and she had deep bruising on her chest where blood was pooling and it was very purple and she had a black eye and no pulse. Last, the officers found Gavin. He was dead in his bed and fuck you was spray painted on his blanket. Rigor mortis was set in for all three of them. Based on what you know about rigor mortis, Jasmine, how long do you think that they would have had to be dead?
0: Um, is it a couple of hours? Yeah. Like uh, I don't know, like like 3 hours or something like
1: that. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good estimate. So nice. officers discussed that they were not going to give Chris much information and Chris was told his family didn't make it and he began to cry. He called his dad, told him what was happening, and he asked police what happened, but he never asked how they were killed. So, according to Chris, he got up at 5 30 in the morning. He went to the bathroom, he got dressed, and he left for the gym. He called Sherry as he was leaving, which, first of all, why wouldn't you just like go wake her up if you're trying to wake her up?
0: Exactly. Like before you leave you're the still house.
1: In the same house. Right. But he called her as he was leaving at 5 43 a.m. to wake her up so that she could get up and then start getting the kids up. But she didn't answer the phone. So he called her again as he was leaving the gym and there was still no answer. And that's when he called Justin. Chris also made a mention to police that they kept both of their guns locked up inside of their nightstands. I just, first of all, want to say why the fuck would you lock up your gun in your nightstand if you're trying to use it for protection? Additionally, Sherry had earlier said that, you know, she leaves it on her nightstand. <laughs>
0: right. So, like, I was going to say something about that. I like, I don't I don't know how safe that is though. Like, man, I get it. Like, you you want it to be easily accessible, but just to throw it on the top of your nightstand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I keep I keep a gun like <laughs> just in hand's reach, but it has a safety. Say,
0: you keep it under your pillow.
1: I keep it in a holster.
0: Nice. I mean, that's even that like, but you have it kind of tucked away, right? No. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the only reason why I was thinking, I was like, so, like, let's just bring up Israel Keys real quick. You know, how he was a sneaky bastard, and, like, he he did all that he did without being heard. So, imagine somebody breaks in, they're sneaking around your house, and they go in your room, and they see the fucking gun on your nightstand. They could, they could literally grab it, and then use it against you.
1: That's true. It That's could so- also deter him. Or... Hopefully it would wake you up, and you'd be able to react yeah. fast, enough, like react fast enough. Because if it was locked in your dresser, I'd be like, "Can you hold out a minute so
0: I can like unlock my
1: dresser real quick?"
0: <laughs> uh, hold it real quick. I have like five keys on this keychain. Let me figure out which one goes
1: <laughs> best. Keys. but let me get my I keys because they're start. in my purse. Yeah, no, like I <laughs> uh, and see, I just like I totally understand locking up your guns, but if your purpose is to have it at night for protection, like she said that she was, you know, it's totally fine that people don't do that. And they just have them. But I'm saying she literally had said prior, like prior to this that, you know, she uses it for protection, and she keeps it on her nightstand, like having it locked up, like, to me, just shows like, you can't you you can't use it for protection. Yeah. It would take way too much time, a critical amount of time to get it. And also, I want to point out, so you said, you know, rigor mortis, about a couple hours, right? Well, he mm-hmm. left the gym at 6, uh, excuse me, at 5.30. He left for the gym. And, mm-hmm. no, he got up at 5.30. He left for the gym at 5.43, and he was calling Justin at, like,
0: 6.50. Oh, yeah, no, the, the timeline is all fucked up.
1: Yes. So the coroner arrived at the house at 10.57. I realize this is a ton of numbers. Try to stick with me here. So Dr. Nanduri, which is a, who is a forensic pathologist I'm sorry, I'm stammering really bad I feel like I always do, but it feels worse today
0: <laughs> Bear with me <laughs> You're good, you're good <laughs> So
1: Dr. Nanduri performed all three autopsies And she found that all three died of ligature strangulation Based on the body temperatures taken at 1108 a.m. by the coroner Nanduri was able to give a time range of death Which is between 3 and 5 a.m. She said it was likely to be closer to three a.m., but she couldn't give an exact time because, you know, based on the several conditions and how long it had been before they got their internal body temperature, it could be variable. Um, she was also able to determine that, based on hair evidence on Gavin's body, that Sherry was strangled first because her dark hair was on him.
0: Uh, it I just. It bothers me so much. Because it's so personal and then for him to write fuck you on, like, what was it, On the wall in the... On the bed. The kids, on the bed in one of the kids' rooms. Like, but why? I just... Okay.
1: Well, it gets worse. The forensic pathologist also said that based on the size of the ligature they had to have been strangled for four to five minutes before they went brain dead
0: okay so like this is this is what bothers me can i just do a spoiler alert sure uh he he did it so no uh, uh, <laughs> so like that's the crazy part like the same thing was like chris Watts. like you can stay here with your children's lives in your hand and your wife, like sure your wife, you're not in love with them and whatever, whatever, but your kids, you can stay here and strangle them and and watch the fucking, their souls leave their bodies for fucking five, 10 minutes. And you're, you can live with yourself. Like that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Right. It's a very long time to, I mean, that's a long time to like, do that.
0: It's it's like it's baffling because you're literally you you made this these people and you're you're killing them. Like how can you live with yourself after that? I, I'll never understand.
1: I don't either. I could never under, it's just it's so per- like what did those kids do? Like seriously. What I, I'm not justifying him killing Sherry of course, but like I, I can't even begin to understand how you could do that to your children who are, you know, the most innocent people. And oh God, I mean, and I can just imagine them fighting.
0: Yeah. And it's like you, these kids are, they were brought here and your job, your duty was to nourish them, love them, uh, protect them. Like And, yeah, I mean, um, not to say, like, if they weren't girls or anything, but they, they're boys. And like, I'm sure they fought as hard as they could fight. Um, you know, it's your dad. Like, it's, it's uh, I don't know. I fucking hate these people.
1: I know. And they actually were able to see that based on Sherry's um, ligature marks on her neck that she was fighting because one of them scraped her in the face from her, oh. like, having, trying to fight it off.
0: Yeah, no, and I can only imagine, like, what was going on in her head. Oh, my God, the horror for uh, that long. And it's five
1: minutes until she's brain dead. You can be brain dead and still breathe for several minutes.
0: God, Jesus Christ. Like, obviously, I'm not okay with this. Just fucking take me out of my misery. Take them out of my misery. Like, this is... Ugh. Okay. Yeah. (laughs)
1: So Kathy, who remembers one of Sherry's friends, um, immediately told police that she thought Chris was involved Um, because Sherry told her if something happened to her, it was Chris. This is another theme we've seen this entire season. Um, Sherry also told Kathy that Chris had made comments to her about her, like the whole family being in the way of his destiny. Because his destiny was this, you know, wonderful career with Joyce Myers and his family was preventing him from like being as successful as he wanted to be, which is not
0: true. No, definitely not. Like, you're living your best life, homie. You got a whole other, like, side chick and everything. And you're talking about your family's holding you down? Nah.
1: I know. Fuck you, bro. Speaking of side chick, Tara testified that Chris (laughs) had promised her that on May 5th, the day that this happened, he was going to serve his wife with divorce papers.
0: That's a really specific date.
1: Well, he was supposed to do it um, within, um, how many months is that? Seven months of them having talked. Having like been together. Or six months, excuse me, that's six months.
0: Okay. Is that six months or is that
1: seven months? They start talking in November, hold on.
0: Um. Yeah, six months.
1: Sorry, I'm an idiot. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, no, good know,
1: uh, math. I, I had to do that with my fingers. Um, so six months from the day that they had started like being together was when he was supposed to serve her divorce papers. So at the trial, Tara also wore a promise ring that was given to her by Chris, which is kind of shady in my opinion, but you know, whatever. So on Chris's computer, obviously, they seized all of his devices, and they got search warrants, and they went through all this stuff. So on his computer, they found a document entitled, quote, The Day Tara Changed My Life, 11-5-2008. Again, six months, date before the slaying. Um, In this document, it included the name of a daughter they hoped to have, which, by the way, was Zoe. Um, Tara's ring size and her physical measurements and some of her sexual fantasies. Police also found a sex tape that the two had made in Hawaii among several naked photos and videos of Chris masturbating for her. What? They also were planning to marry in January of
0: 2010. So, so did she have any inkling of what he was going to do?
1: According to her, no. She legitimately thought that he was going to get divorced. And then they were going to be together and start their own life. She did not know he was going to kill, you know, his entire family. Oh, my
0: God. Like I said, and, uh what's his name? Scott Peterson. Uh, Drew Peterson? Drew Peterson. That's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, Drew. Anyway, sorry. About There's that. so
1: many Petersons <laughs> that are murderers that it's so hard to keep track of. I understand,
0: right? No, but um. Anyway, so like I said, in Drew Peterson, you're gonna lose them how you got them. Like, yes. I, I just, I just don't like. You're telling me that you're okay with being the side chick until they get divorced, and then right after that, you're gonna get. Married. To have this wonderful wonderful fairy tale lifestyle what the fuck is fucking side chicks never mind okay
1: i just that's feel it. like there must be something like in their brain that makes them think that they're that special like and i hate to say it this way but like nobody is that special if somebody is willing to do that and i don't mean murder i mean like cheat on their spouse and you know then and their kid and like ruin their family to be with you and start a new family that's not somebody you need to spend your life with and if you think that they're going to change Because they're going to be with you. And that's only something they would ever do for you. Like, you are not that special. I am sorry. That's who they are. It has nothing to do with you. You are special in your own way. But you are not special like that.
0: Right. And, you know, of course, there's these cases where, you know, that it happened to the mistress. And then they get married. And they live happily ever after. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. But nine times out of ten, y'all are going to get divorced fairly quickly. And... Like the fact that you're okay with potentially seeing this person that you quote unquote love ruin their family for you to tell you a lot about yourself.
1: That's true too.
0: You're literally just standing idle, just watching this person ruin these children's lives and their ex's life just because you selfishly you two decided that you two want to be together and fuck everybody else
1: I feel like to a degree there has to be like a certain thing that this person has told like their you know mistress like what's going on like I feel like in this situation Chris had to be like oh you know we have like we're we've been you know separated like we're just still living together because the kids but like we're getting a divorce and yada yada like it's not a big deal we don't sleep together we don't you know whatever he's like we've already talked about what we're gonna do with the kids like it's you know like i wonder if she was led to believe that they didn't even really have a relationship but they were just still that, legally married because that's a possibility
0: right and unfortunately like nine times out of ten like that's what these sneaky sneaky animals do as they sit there and say i'm only with her for the kids right or straight up lie. Well, Right, we're only in the same house because we need to put up this facade for our kids that we're we're still together until we officially divorce. Like, no, right. fuck. You.
1: Like, if you are in a relationship where you have to be a secret, that's not a relationship to be in. I feel like no, I shouldn't have if to say you're this.
0: Okay with that? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, but- wait a minute. <laughs> Okay, let me take that back. No, don't fuck yourself.
1: But- I mean, I'm I'm trying to be considerate of you know there might be circumstances in which that could be appropriate, but really I can't think of any. Like if, like no matter what, just how about? don't and like how about if you're fucking married with kids and you want to get a divorce do that before you start making marital plans with another person like i get that any no how about how about you be legally separated let's go with that because divorce can be really long term in a lot of places and that's fine if you want to start talking to people i get that you're separated but like how about if you're actively married to your wife and kids first of all don't kill them yeah the first and foremost second of all Like, try it out, you know, just like give it a shot, like divorce or separate before you start seeing other people. It's just an idea. (laughs) Like, I feel like it might be a good one. (laughs) So they also found more stuff on his computer. Um, I want to remind you that the date of the first threat was November 14th of 2008. The day that Tara, quote, changed his life was November 5th. So police discovered the search in the search warrants with his email address um, that the threatening emails and that account destroy Chris at gmail.com was actually created on Chris's laptop. I know that's shocking on November the 14th. So he created the account that day. He sent out a message that day and a couple subsequent days. And it was just, you know, nine days after him and Tara had started, you know, hooking up. And he just, they discovered also that he misspelled opportunities the same way in other documents on his laptop. So all this great incriminating information. And they also searched his credit card records and they found that he had bought apple red spray paint, which is the exact same color that is used in the house on the morning of the murders on his credit card in February.
0: Dumbass.
1: The Pre, I mean, man. premeditation.
0: Right. Pre, premeditated. <laughs> <laughs> premeditated. It's again. not
1: premeditation, huh?
0: They're like pretty fucking stupid. (laughs) It came out wrong. Yeah,
1: no, all the things. Um, He's an idiot. This was obviously planned the entire time. I mean, so basically, he started talking to Tara and from nine days after that, he's like, I'm going to kill my wife and kids. He's been setting it up since November. It's disgusting. That's disgusting. He wasn't even considering divorcing her.
0: Exactly. It's like, okay, dedication, but disgusting and you're dumb. Like, fuck you. Like, How did he you. think he was going to get away
1: with that? Like, how did he honestly think he was going to get away with that? Especially, like, with them having been dead for several hours. Like, you really didn't think that anybody would notice that they were dead longer than 40 minutes?
0: Right. Like, at this point, people have to realize like, they're going to, like, do a thorough job whenever they're trying to figure out time of death. Right. So, you got to be, like, don't kill anybody, especially your family. But you got to be a little smarter than that.
1: Well, and especially it's like, like, did you think they were just going to be like, oh, my God, that sucks. And, like, not look for this person?
0: Like, what was your plan? Right. They're going to be like, oh, my God, you're so lucky that, you know, you were asleep, supposedly, or whatever, when they died. And everybody else just got murdered except for you. Like, no, that just doesn't make any fucking sense
1: so convenient that you left the house before they came in right no it doesn't make sense but anyways chris was sentenced to three life terms without the possibility of parole so hopefully he's getting his ass beat in prison
0: yeah for real like i don't know. i just i hope he has a girlfriend in prison right uh, i'm sorry what i <laughs> hope <laughs> he's bitch in prison
1: <laughs> oh man I just god I can't he's a fucking piece of shit in that poor family I mean I, yeah it's terrible it's fucking terrible and I can't believe I just can't believe that he thought he would get away with that he's literally the dumbest motherfucker
0: I'd honestly be surprised like if he didn't get his ass beat at least a few times just because of the way he killed his kids
1: god I hope so I hope he's getting yeah. tortured. Right. Yeah. Well, anyways, that was the very heartbreaking story of the Coleman family. Um, thank you guys for continuing to listen. If you want to see, like, tons of pictures, you can go ahead and look at BND News. That's um, B as in boy and is a Nancy, D as in dog news. Because I know it probably sounds like something weird, but um, they have a bunch of pictures on their website that you can actually see, but I'm going to post a couple on the Instagram so you can find that at uh,
0: Crafts and Crime <laughs> Sorry I was like, is that
1: it? <laughs> That's it um, <laughs> If you want to listen to me bullshit, you can go on Twitter
0: the Crafts and Crime
1: And we post all of our new episodes on Facebook
0: at Crafts, Drafts, and Crime.
1: And if you want to send us a story, because we're getting close to being ready for a listeners episode, you can send us an email
0: at Crafts, and Crime at gmail.com.
1: And we also have a Patreon if you want some bonus content and extra episodes.
0: Yes, um, do that for us. I think it's only, what, like three bucks? It's three bucks. Yeah, three bucks. <laughs> it's cheaper okay, than like. a
1: coffee. I mean. <laughs>
0: That is true.
1: And it might even be cheaper than some gum. Ha ha. Yeah, depending on how much gum you want. Um,
0: yeah, but
1: exactly. <laughs> that's craft, Traps and Crime also. And you can find that link on all of our social media also. So thank you guys for continuing to listen. And I hope that you guys are excited for the next two episodes that are going to conclude season four. And we will tell you in that last episode what season five is going to be because we have officially decided.
0: Yay! I think you love it. I mean, pay the limit, but whatever. It's going to be great. <laughs> so. You know what
1: I mean? <laughs> All right, thanks guys until next time. Bye. Bye.